And now a quick break for a word from our sponsor. The Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Supportive memory foam creates an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink, just the right bounce. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up Mm. and refund you everything. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it if you sleep like a normal person. Wow, I just got depressed. (laughs) (laughs) Free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. With more than 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars, it's quickly becoming the Internet's favorite mattress. Jason. Yeah. You love your Casper. Man, I do love it. There's nothing I love more than sinking deep into my Casper. Just the right bounce. Wonderful. Just the right bounce. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com slash binge and using offer code binge. Terms and conditions apply. And now back to binge mode. Hoder. Hoder. Buddy, I know you're looking for something to do down there beneath the cave, but I want to make sure you know. Hoder. (laughs) Binge mode contains adult content. If you're okay with what you see on Game of Thrones, you'll be okay with binge mode. Hoder. And now, binge mode. Finally, a girl is Noah. A girl is Arya Stark of Winterfell. And I'm going home. Hello! And welcome to Binge Mode. I'm Mallory Rubin, deputy editor of TheRinger.com. Joining me today, now that he's finished threatening to strategically launch babies... Over the battlements. The things that I do for just even a hug, really. <laughs> Not even love. Just tenderness. Just the human touch. Just that's it. It's oh. Ringer staff writer and your hug-hungry maester. Let's go. Jason Concepcion. Jason? Yeah. Not everyone wants to die for someone else's home. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. <laughs> but. I've heard that. We are ready to die for this podcast. Mm-hmm. We are rewatching all 60 episodes of Game of Thrones. We're deep diving one at a time. Spoiler warning, as always, we will be going deep on details from the show and the books from this episode and beyond. So lower that drawbridge because it's time to break down season six, episode eight. No one. Jason. Yeah. Order your man to step aside or there will be violence. Oh, I choose the violence. We need a clear path because we need to make our way down the King's Road to offer up a brief refresher on what transpired in this eighth installment. In Bravos, Lady Crane comes off stage after a incredible performance that showed that the director, writer-director, actually listened to her suggestions to find Arya wounded from the Waif's attack. Hiding backstage, Crane takes Arya home and binds her wounds. She learned this from the numerous disputes she had with her boyfriend. They talk. Arya falls asleep. And when she wakes, Lady Crane is dead. Murdered by the Waif. Arya later kills the Waif, slices off her face, and pins her face 
to the wall and the hall of faces. Jacqueline's like, pretty cool. I got to tell you what, you graduate. And she's like, actually, you know what? I'm Arya Stark, though. Bum, bum, bum. Dun, dun, dun. In the Riverlands. The Brotherhood without banners. Some of these rogue fellows who the Hound is after. They're horsing around. Just normal camp horsing around. It's it's the kind of stuff we do in the binge mode studio every day. <laughs> Listen, I've been to summer camp. I've seen what happens. It <laughs> seems within the bounds. <laughs> the Hound comes up, finds these guys, kills them all. It's classic Hound shit. <laughs> and then later comes across our dudes, Thoros of Mir, Beric, the Lightning Lord, And they, after having a little chat and allowing the Hound to get some of the justice he's been seeking against Lem and the folks who killed Brother Ray, invite him to join and ride north. They are officially enlisting the Hound in the Brotherhood Without Banners. In Marine, the Red Priests and Priestesses have begun preaching the gospel of Daenerys on the streets to the people. Tyrion's like, I told you this shit would work, Varys. (laughs) And then he bids him farewell because the Master of Whispers... He's heading back to Westeros for a secret mission. Later, Tyrion tries to get Missy and the Worm to drink wine. Vino, it's good for you. The imp tells amusing stories, a couple of jokes, and that's basically all that happens. Missy gets wasted, a lightweight, as it turns out. Then the bells begin to chime, invented by Zach Mack. The masters are attacking! And then suddenly, <laughs> the, the pyramid shakes to its very foundation. What is that? Mommy's home! <laughs> Daenerys Targaryen strides in after riding Drogon to the top of the pyramid. Dude, she looks pissed. I leave for a week and the house is a fucking mess. You guys have been drinking. You didn't even vacuum. And there's like an army outside. <laughs> what the fuck? In King's Landing. Violence. Violence. Here as well. I like it. Members of the Faith Militant come to the Red Keep, you know, just for a chat. <laughs> a little chat. They want to bring Cersei to a meeting with the High Sparrow. She's not really feeling it. Busy day. <laughs> yeah. Calendar's full. Uh, to solve this problem, the mountain literally separates a man's head from his body with his bare hands. Where are his buddies, by the way? Like, is that a mace? I'm not really sure what that implement is, but he, you know, hits the mountain in the chest with it, the Faith Militant guy. And then everybody just kind of backs up and is like, you got this. Lancel's just observing. (laughs) Observing, you know. Cersei, later, arrives in the throne room. There's to be an announcement, a royal announcement, but no one told her. Kevin with an A, really just kind of withholding that info lately. King Tommen sits in the throne and announces his mother's trial date. And then, in a shocking move, bans trial by combat, thus taking the mountain off the board and robbing Cersei of her clearest path to victory. Kyburn. 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 It's been a while. Yeah. That felt right. Kyburn. <laughs> Comes up to Cersei and tells her that, uh, hey, you looked into that thing. That thing that she wanted looking into, and uh, turns out that he uh, he uh, found some stuff. Uh, what could he possibly be talking no about, guys? I don't, I don't know. Wildfire. That was worth at least five candied plums. <laughs> More than that, I hope. Well, you know, these are kids we're talking about. <laughs> Small stomachs. Riverrun. 
Jamie's Siege is a much more organized affair than the Frey version. Brienne, pod in tow, arrive to meet with Jamie. She strikes a deal. Let the Blackfish ride north so he can help Sansa with her, you know, war up there against the Boltons. And you can have the castle. And then she tries to give back Oathkeeper, and Jamie's like, no. The Blackfish, of course, refuses because he's the Blackfish. His name is about being stubborn. He's not going to do that. Brienne sends a raven to Sansa, telling her the bad news. Jamie threatens to murder Lord Edmure's son with Rosalind Frey if he doesn't order the River Run garrison to stand down. The things we do for love, Jamie not says. Nice. Jamie has done a lot of things for love. They're all bad. Edmure walks up to the gates and demands entry to the castle. They let him in. Against the Blackfish's orders, he commands the garrison to surrender, and they do. The Blackfish, after helping Brienne and Pod into a boat, runs back up the stairs to the castle yard and promptly dies, I guess, off screen because that's a good way to do stuff. Bells for the Blackfish? Bells for the Blackfish! Rob Stark's greatest scout. Mal? You don't matter to me. No. The people in the castle don't matter to me. Only bitch mode! (laughs) And if I have to slaughter every producer who ever lived and invented bells to get back to binging, (laughs) that's what I will do. That gets us to this episode's big idea, so let's cut right to the core of it by sticking it with the pointy and the defining theme of this episode is Heel Turns! Jamie, Edmure, and the Blackfish. You know, Jamie's steady creep from the chaotic, neutral dude who pitched Bran Stark out of a window. The things I do for love, he said after doing that, Cersei's juice still upon him. (laughs) To the chaotic, good character who shared his backstory with Brienne in a hot tub and later gifted her a Valerian steel sword is, by all appearances, over. In the recent past, when left to his own devices, Jamie has shown himself to be a person who... When the chips are down, can be counted on to do the right thing. Killing the Mad King was objectively, objectively a good. Oath be damned. Saving Brienne from being assaulted at the cost of his hand was the act of a decent man. Yes. As was returning to Harrenhal to save Brienne from the bear when he was free and clear to return to King's Landing and his family. Arguing against Tyrion's kangaroo court trial, then later springing him from the dungeons. These are all just acts. Whatever the law says, these are good things. But Cersei has always been a terrible influence on him. Even now, with their relationship essentially public knowledge, how many people so, has fucking Jamie told so at this point? So many people. So many people. It's a- like his Facebook Elaria, status at this point. Bronn, Edmure, Tyrion. I, there's just like a lot. I'm it's missing lot. some, certainly, but there's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, It's more than the zero (laughs) that it should be. Cersei is the worst influence on him. And you can feel this in his conversation with Edmure. He tells Edmure, talking about Edmure's wife, Rosalind, and their child, who Edmure, against all odds, has fallen in love with. Uh, You know, they they were married at the Red Wedding. He got it in, had a child with her. One shot. As a massacre was occurring (laughs) below And they've fallen in love. And he says, you should be with them both. I can arrange that, you realize. Comfortable rooms for you at Casterly Rock, a tutor for the boy, knights to train him to fight and ride. And when he comes of age, he'll have a keep of his own. This is a great deal. Also, considering Edmure hasn't met this baby, the tantalizing pull of that offer 
continue Meet your son yes. start your family continue Get out of the that line the tullys live on and who knows what happens 100 500 years down the line edmure says do you imagine yourself a decent person you've massacred my family kept me in a cell for years stolen our lands i'll remind you that our houses are at war I'm sorry if this conflict has inconvenienced you, but rebelling against the crown does have consequences. Because the man who shoved his sword through his king's back. Did I give you the impression that this was a negotiation? It's not. You understand, on some level, you understand that you're an evil man. Jamie retorts, I'll leave the judgments to the gods. And he, Jamie always has. After all, think about it. His one true love, that relationship is labeled an abomination by everyone. And the best thing that he ever did with his fucking life, saved tens of thousands of people at King's Landing, is the act for which he is a pariah. Why would he let anyone else judge him at this point? The fact that Edmure, yes, who is pretty lame. <laughs> I, that's putting it mildly. Edmure, let's quickly recap. Sure. Couldn't hit his father's funeral canoe with an arrow. Imagine... The shame of that. Openly mocked and ridiculed at every turn by the Blackfish. <laughs> yeah. Completely botched Rob's intentions right. with the mountain. Had to have that mill. The mill. They could not stand us. We charged the mill and they fled. Threw a fit about yeah. having to marry Afraid because he thought she was going to be ugly. And, and then, then was so blinded by his lust <laughs> once he realized she was hot that he <laughs> fucked her through the massacre of his own family. You are a delight to me, my lady. <laughs> So this dude, this dude is sitting there yeah. calling Jamie garbage, questioning his character. Imagine having to hear that from a person yeah. like Edmure. Jamie does not soften no. upon hearing this. He does, however, attempt to be pretty Honest, he it's says. Craziness. We hear the line. This again. is the new Jamie. This is the things we do for love. Here it is again. And then he explains. I love Cersei. You can laugh at that if you want. You can sneer. It doesn't matter. She needs me. And to get back to her, I have to take River Run. I'll send for your baby boy, and I'll launch him into River Run with a catapult. Because you don't matter to me, Lord Edmund. Your son doesn't matter to me. The people in the castle don't matter to me. Only Cersei. And if I have to slaughter every Tully who ever lived to get back to her, that's what I'll do. Remember season one, the exchange, when we first meet Tywin, and he's skinning that elk, yeah. the exchange that Tywin and Jamie have. Tywin is challenging Jamie, become the man you were meant to be. And one of the things that they discuss with each other is the idea of how Jamie is perceived. And Jamie says, I don't care what people think of me. And Tywin has that great line, that's what you want people to think. Jamie has always been defined by his reputation, not necessarily wanting to fight against it, then finally being candid with Brienne, trying mm -hmm. truly yep. to be a better person for a little while, and now just falling back into that pit that Cersei yep. digs for him. He's finally proving... And it's not an accident, of course, that in this episode before this exchange with Jamie and Edmure that is so painful to yeah. witness for people who have become really invested in Jamie's rehabilitation as a character. It's hard to hear him threaten to throw a baby into a castle. <laughs> yeah. That's not fun if you're 
pro Jamie. So it's no accident that that's like juxtaposed against Jamie and Brienne yeah. reuniting. The scene between them is so moving and so beautiful and the affection and respect there between them is so genuine and so pure that it makes the contrast of Jamie's actions with Edmure all the more hideous. You know, when Brienne comes in, he says, well, I'm proud of you. I am. You fulfilled your oath. Of course, my sister wants sounds dead, so there is that complication. And she explains why she's there. She's trying to get the Blackfish to go help Sansa right. take back Winterfell. She needs that Tully army. And Jamie says, hey, guess what? I'm here to retake River Run from those very Tully rebels. There's that great moment where they're going back and forth, and then Jamie says, we shouldn't argue about politics. <laughs> right, yeah. And it's funny, but it also actually speaks to their relationship. Right. That he, they have one. Right. That's, it's real. That's the person that he doesn't want to involve in that side of his life. Exactly. As usual, Brienne makes an appeal to something that she knows is there. You're a knight, Sir Jamie. Also to the idea of what being a knight means, an oath, a protector. We know how much that means to Brienne. I know there's honor in you, she says. I've seen it. And he replies, I'm a Lannister. Don't ask me to betray my house. He ultimately agrees to let her try to convince the Blackfish, but he tells her not to expect much. Not everyone wants to die for someone else's home. Ah, good point. As they're parting, mm-hmm. Brienne tries to give back the sword, Oathkeeper. You gave it to me for a purpose, she says, and I've achieved that purpose. He won't receive it. It's cr- amazing. It's yours. It will always be yours. It's so beautiful. And then she says, should I fail to persuade the Blackfish to surrender? And should you attack the castle? Honor compels me to fight for Sansa's kin. He says, of course it does. She clarifies, just in case, to fight you. And he says, let's hope it doesn't come to that. And they look at each other with such pain and longing, not only for different circumstances, but for the companionship of, really, for both of them, one of the few people who's ever actually seen them truly. Yeah. And why does Jamie turn into the person that he is with Edmure? Why does he turn into the person he was with the Blackfish? Because he doesn't have someone like Brienne to help him be good to help the noble honor within him rise. The Blackfish's really refusal of Brienne's request to ride north, help Sansa, uh, while rooted in his commitment to the just cause of defending his home that we discussed in the previous episode, has a small heel turnish element. He is refusing to help his niece. Now, in fairness to him, he doesn't know who the fuck Brienne is, although... I met your father. He's a nice guy. I like him. Throws a great ball. Very, yeah. But he says, you know, if if you think I'm abandoning my family's seat on the Kingslayer's word of honor, you're a bloody fool. And here again, the irony of the great good of Jamie's life haunts him and causes so many bad decisions to happen. And then Blackfish continues. She wants her home back. I understand that. But this is my home. He's also giving up Edmure for dead, as he has, you know, since we've arrived at Riverrun this time. He knows that Edmure is too valuable to let live, certainly to let live free, regardless of the promises that are made, and that he must be playing um, for the Lannisters and the phrase. So, of course, Edmure has also turned heel. He is willing to sacrifice the legacy, the honor the history of what really is one of the greatest houses of the realm for his own comfort, for 
a child that he's never met, for the daughter from the house that helped kill his sister. Uh, it's a bad look for Edmure. And the Blackfish's death is really on his hands. The Hound. Love him. Great guy. Nice, real non-CGI cock. <laughs> Prosthetic? It's the way the light comes off of it, as I've said, it's real. You're convinced. I think so. I just think you're saying it with the amount of certainty that indicates you've looked into this before. No, I'm just, well, I mean, I looked at it today. I looked at the, the Google image search. Yeah, let me see I, your browser history. You, you're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> the hound. Yeah. He is out for blood, and he is not amused no. by the rogue brotherhood members finger in the ass that's a sign of that's a sign of bad things by the way (laughs) right hand holds the small of the lady's back like so very romantic you take your middle finger yeah and you jam it right up her bunghole (laughs) (laughs) so fucking close (laughs) oh it smells like pussy to me get that checked guys (laughs) where's kyburn when you need him kyburn Oh, my God. I'm going to let you continue. Okay. So he walks up. He's not amused by what he's seen here. It's not going to stop him from shoving an axe through someone's head. Where's the other one? The one with the yellow cloak. Fuck you, says the guy whose thumb was recently in someone else's butt. Those are your last words? Cunt. You shit at dying. You know that? Ah, gone is Brother Ray's peaceful, ostensibly peaceful axeman. Here is the heelish hound that we know and love. Bent on revenge, cutting guys in half. And that heel has new pals. Who happen to be, by the way, old foes. What a great, this is a pure wrestling. Thoros, as the hound strides towards him. Clegane, fuck are you doing there? <laughs> love that. <laughs> <laughs> so good. They're all after the same thing, after all, killing Lem and the rogue Brotherhood members, giving the Brotherhood a bad name. Tough show look for Lem. Listen, Lem is okay, and like Lem doesn't do all that much in the books, but he's a good guy. He's not going around hanging and murdering people that are just trying to build a church. <laughs> anyway, the Hound wants to use his axe because that's the way the Hound does. But Thoros says, "We're not butchers. We're gonna hang him." Bunch of Nancys. Time I would have bunched all seven of you just to get to these three. You get no Clegane, Thoros says. He's not, actually. And then he kicks the stool out from one of the guys. But maybe Ray was right. There's something more than villainy to the Hound. And we've known this for a while, haven't we? Yes. He's got a lot of pain, and that pain has caused him to do some really bad things, like killing a small boy on the orders of the king. But there's something good with him. And Thoros senses this, tries to recruit him. We could use you, he says. He says they're... Here for a reason. Ah, Brother Ray's talk. Mm-hmm. The Lord of Light is keeping Beric alive for a reason, Thoros says. He gave a failed drunk priest the power to give him back for a reason. Beric says, cold winds are rising in the north. The Lord of Light gave you the power to defeat me. Why? And the Hound says he won because he's better and always will be. Kind of like when Brother Ray says, there's a reason you're still alive. And the Hound was like, yeah, because I'm fucking huge and... <laughs> like real hard to kill and Barrett continues you're a fighter you were born a fighter you walked away from the fight how did that go good and bad young and old the things we're fighting destroy them all alike you can still help a lot more than you've harmed Clegane it's not too late for you echoing Ray's words 
Maybe our heel is ready to turn hero. Cersei's definitely not turning into a hero yeah, she's anytime only soon. Healing. She's increasingly full turning heel. heel. Full, like full what's heel. beyond full. She's not even hiding it anymore. I mean, Cersei's no. always been a heel, but she would try pretty hard to mask her intentions. Right. Of course, one of the most iconic instances of that being during uh Loris's inquest when <laughs> right. she's oh, sh- oh. Uh, 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 and this is, what is this? To a great house. A great house. Lords and ladies must be respected. How dare you? No more of that. No. No more of that. No, 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 She's no. starting to put her intentions out into the open. She's parading around the Red Keep with Kyber. 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 great. And Frankenmountain. Oh, abomination. She is allowing Gregor to literally rip dudes' heads off their bodies. Yeah. Just right out there in the open. Wow. Lancel. <laughs> challenging Cersei. Challenging Gregor. Move aside, sir. Yeah. Then to Cersei. Order your man to step aside or there will be violence. And Cersei says, I choose violence. Damn this right is she it. Does. She's all in, and she's not afraid who knows it anymore. She's going to need violence because there are tough times ahead for her. Tommen, her son, the king, abolishing trial by combat, which, as literally everyone knows, (laughs) she was planning to use so that Gregor could get her off the hook for her (laughs) crimes. The tradition is a brutish one, Tommen says to the throne room. Well, yeah. It's called trial by combat. Way to catch up, Thank you, Tommen. They'll stand trial before seven septons instead. Mm. Think of what this must feel like for Cersei. She is standing there, hearing this at the same time as all the lords and ladies of the court, knowing that her son, her last living child, the motivating force in her life, just ordered something specifically designed to stop her from prevailing. Why not go full fucking heel after Safety's that? Safety's off. Come on. And sure enough, Kyburn. Kyburn. <laughs> Kyburn. <laughs> comes up to Cersei and says, Your Grace, that old rumor you told me about, my little birds investigated. <laughs> Tell me, was it a rumor or something more? More, your grace. So much more. (laughs) Spoiler alert, guys. (laughs) They are talking about the wildfire, guys. This is it. This right here is the moment. Cersei has obviously been thinking about this enough to look into it, to do this research. But this is it right here when she decides to go full mad queen on us and burn them all. And then two little bits of heel turns here. Everyone in Marine, Shocker, the Masters, after pretending to be amenable to various diplomatic uh, moves, have gone full heel. They've always been monsters, guys. They own people and sell them as property. That's bad. Uh, Tyrion clearly miscalculated and is admitting as much. I was wrong. I admit it, he says, <laughs> as the fucking like flaming cannon shots are careening off the... 
outside of the Great Pyramid. Grey Worm, no more talking. Your talking gave us this. Don't tell me what the army should do. I, why great, wasn't, great stuff like, from Grey Worm. Yeah. Why weren't Missy and the Worm just driving shit before? Like, they know the area, Tyrion. They Can, did try. They really they did, did try. They did try. Tyrion's arrogance really got in the way there. Big time. And then there's Lady Crane. Eccentric, artistic, and at least in Arya's case, warmly maternal lady crane really seems like a super cool lady she reminds me of like the hot drama teacher in school (laughs) who just awakens that artistic fervor in you when it's just all about english class and math and then all of a sudden you get to do you know dresses oberon or something but turns out like many of the characters in our story she's ready to spin on her heel at a moment's notice aria asks hey what happened to the actress, the one who wanted you dead? Lady Crane says, letting the word, the name pop out of her mouth like almost like a chocolate. Bianca. <laughs> She'll have a hard time finding work as an actress after what I did to her face. Whoa! Damn. There's also Crane. the incredible moment when Arya, who of course should be dead, is like, hey, great job with these band-aids. Right. How do you, how do you know so much about <laughs> band-aids? <laughs> And she's just like, well, I draw, I'm drawn right. to, uh, you know, I like the bad guys. I like yeah. the bad boys. And right. sometimes they're too bad and I stab them and then right. I have to patch them up. It's like, oh, my God, what? Yeah. Arya, of course, little heel turn of her own here. Yeah. We'll get to that in a bit. Hey, guys, just a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. Binge Mode is brought to you by DirecTV Now. Live stream your favorite channels on virtually any device. Plus... You can subscribe to HBO and start watching Game of Thrones today. And now, back to binge mode. Jason. Yes. The Faith and the Crown are the two pillars pillars that hold up this world. I know this because Tommen and the High Sparrow and before them Cersei just won't shut the fuck up about it this season. One collapses. So does the other. That's right. So after conferring with His Holiness, I've decided trial by combat will be forbidden. Throughout the Seven Kingdoms. This wow. is problematic. Yes. For Cersei. It's also tough for us because we as viewers have grown accustomed to seeing trial by combat play out in big ways on this show. So now that we've been robbed of this opportunity, please assemble a conclave yeah. and head to the Citadel. Teach us everything we need to know about the faith militant's history with trial by combat and the extremely rare... Trial of Seven. Can I just, I feel like we need a third pillar. Because if one collapses and the other one goes. Not a very sturdy foundation. I think if you have, if you had three pillars, it's okay. Anyway, Trial of Seven. <laughs> and all that stuff. The Faith Militant have an interesting relationship with Trials by Combat, which stretches back to the early years of the Targaryen dynasty. Magor Targaryen ascended the Iron Throne in 42 AC upon the death of his brother, Anus. In the process, <laughs> usurping his nephew, Aegon, another one, the rightful king, Anus's heir. He was the third of the Targaryen kings, this is Magor, and his brutal exploits and murderous management style, such as having all the contractors who built the Red Keep killed in order to safeguard the secrecy of its hidden passages, would soon earn him the moniker, The Cruel. His reign would soak the realm in blood, and it was mostly the blood of the Faith Militant. The Faith, as I mentioned in a previous Citadel, were not terribly keen on the Targaryen penchant for incest and polygamy. 
those either one of those things is to them an abomination. Together, it's like a super abomination. Don't do this. They let the subject basically slide during the reign of the conqueror, began to make a slight fuss about it during the short rule of King Anus, and really, 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 really made a big thing about it during uh, Magor's reign. In the chaotic last days of Anus's administration, the faith sees the Sept of Remembrance on Rainus's hill in King's Landing. This site, by the way, would later become the Dragon Pit. King Magor, as nearly his first act as ruler, flew on the back of Balerion the Black Dread to Visenya's Hill, which looked across a valley at Rainus's Hill. Um, ironically, the future site of the Great Sept of Baelor and future, future site of a great big smoking hole in the ground to rally his supporters. His mother, Queen Visenya, then challenged anyone who doubted the justness of Magor's claim to step forward and defend that slander with their body. I have a taker, Sir Damon Morgan. Known to history as Damon the Devout, he was the captain of the Order of the Warrior's Sons, and he accepted the challenge. Now, the Warrior's Sons were uh, one of the two orders that make up the faith militant. They were made up of knights and lords who had renounced their property and joined the faith militant. And then there were the poor fellows who were common folk, essentially. So the format decided upon for this particular trial was a trial of seven an ancient style pitting seven warriors to a side. Think about it like soccer, except guys in armor with swords and maces trying to kill each other. This particular trial of seven is one of only two known instances of such an event occurring. The other occurring in a Duncan Egg novella that's really good. The stakes were as high as they could be. Imagine like a loser leaves town match with the future of Westeros on the line. If Magar loses, uh, remember, he had usurped his... Uh, nephew Aegon. So there were already uh, rumors or basically charges of illegitimacy that were dogging him. If he should lose this trial by combat, it would be seen as the gods judging his regime illegitimate. And the king's enemies would be thus emboldened. And the result could only have been civil war. And apparently the trial was close. It was a close one. Magor was the last man standing at the end, but... Somehow, he ended up taking a shot to the head in the final moments, fell down into a coma, remained in that nebulous border between life and death for 29 days. On the 30th day, he awoke. Walking shakily out onto the walls of the castle, he was acclaimed by a huge crowd. Everyone in the city so glad that their king is alive. There will not be a war or a big war. Not a huge war, maybe a medium-sized to low war. <laughs> Magor then mounted Balerion, flew directly to the Sept of Remembrance, and turned the building into a bunch of fucking ashes. The Faith Militant who tried to leave, tried to run away, were cut down by Targaryen troops, and a cloud of smoke hung over the city for days, as it will very soon at the end of this season. <laughs> the war between the Crown and the Faith had just begun. Dun dun dun. dun, 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 dun. Maester. Yeah. The Father judges us all. Yeah. But if you break his laws, you will be punished. Ooh. So let's head to the Sept. Let's go. To atone and to bathe in the light mm. of the Seven by sharing seven of our favorite insights and observations from this episode, lightning round style. You go first. Number one, give us your Blackfish lament. Let me, here's the thing about the Blackfish. Cool character, one of the most fun characters in the books. One of the great examples of just pure competency 
in the books. Just a very, very, very competent man who didn't want to get married for reasons that we don't know yet. And in the books, he slips away during the Siege of Riverun as he just dives into a river and swims away. In this case, what do we have? He runs upstairs, goes to get in a sword fight, and dies off screen? Guys, this is Game of Thrones. There's already so much theorizing of things that happen and don't happen. Is Sansa pregnant? Are the, are the Umbers actually playing Ramsay? What's going You cannot have people die off screen. You can't do that. Why are you doing this? Oh, I, I, and then... The tell that it, he actually is dead is some random Lannister guardsman comes up to Jamie looking really weird, like <laughs> like a guy who's not actually an actor, but they were like, uh, yeah, we didn't get the shot we need, so put somebody in armor and have him walk up to Jamie and said, the blackfish is dead. <laughs> like, what? That's how you're going to do it? I'm sorry, that's bad. It's bad. Serio Pharrell lives and so does the blackfish. Yeah, but Serio Pharrell at least feels like a mystery with a purpose, you know. This is just bad. You can't, this is like, you know, as I said before, this is like Cyclops dying off screen in X-Men 3. You cannot do this. Tough stuff. Number two, at least (laughs) Pod got away. And Pod had a great, great scene in this episode with Bronn, who, as Pod, is just standing there taking the air. I just want these two for a lot longer. I know. Looking around at the camp. Yeah. Just sneaks up behind him and basically... To attempts to make Pod think that someone is about to strangle him to death. Getting a bit old to be a squire, aren't we? <laughs> Podrick fucking Payne. I love it. I thought you'd be dead by now. <laughs> Pod's like, not yet, dude. And then, just an iconic exchange. Yeah. And <laughs> foreshadowing, too, by the way, I think. Oh there's my just God. too much. <gasps> I know, there's too much. Like, Jamie... Okay, wait, we're going, we're, let's okay. set it up. We're going that's, we're talking about that for an hour. I'm too so many characters right have now. said that Jamie loves Brienne. Too oh, many have said God. that. I really think they do love each other. But do you think they're gonna have sex? Yeah. <gasps> when? I don't. It has to oh happen next God. season. There's I'm not, so excited. Brienne right now. is in the trailer wearing Lannister red. I have a bad feeling Jamie doesn't have a lot of time left with us. Well, they Field of Fire 2.0. Get that shit in quick. <laughs> Hurry up. After he kills Cersei. Obviously, we're freely speculating. Listen, we Brienne do not is know not going to be this. wearing red unless Cersei is dead. Let's be honest. Wow. I really, really would love for this to happen. Yeah. Bronn. Yeah. Apparently would, too, because he yeah. says, looking at the tent where Jamie and Brienne are having a chat. Are they in there? <laughs> you think they're fucking? Pod's like, what? Like, like if someone said what? that about his sister almost. <laughs> no. What? Why not? I'd fuck her. <laughs> You'd fuck her, wouldn't you? A lot of leg. I'm her squire. <laughs> I know. Like, what? Oh, well. He'd fuck her. That's for sure. <laughs> it's incredible. And then Bronn has this amazing line about Jamie. The way all women look at him can be quite irritating. <laughs> <laughs> and then to Pod. You're the one with the magic cock. Yeah, they're definitely going to fuck. I, 100% they're well, in love with each other. Quickly lay out the scenario for me. Uh, okay. Before a battle. Jamie kills Cersei. Brienne is around. She swears herself into his service, and they have a really romantic, loving, and extremely heartrending, but also hot love affair that lasts not that long because <laughs> Jamie, I think, might die this season. In a bathtub? Not the death, the sex. Oh, I, like, I think they, no, I, 
in a bed, I think, or in a tent, like in the field, you know, like in an actual tent. There's a lot of fucking intents in Game of Thrones. Should we write some fan fiction? I'm down, man. <laughs> Let's do Let's it. Let's go. Uh, number three, Arya and Lady Crane. Who took Arya's acting monologue advice? Arya is talking about what her next move is. And Lady Crane says, why don't you go to Westeros or something? And Arya says, but what's west of Westeros? I don't know. Nobody does, Arya says. And by the way, nobody does. Last Light, which is the last island that is part of Ironborn territory, is like eight days sail from Pike. People out there are real weird, apparently. <laughs> and then you can just keep going. You can just keep sailing into the Sunset Sea essentially forever. No one has ever figured out what's on the other side. No one's ever come back. Wow. It's pretty, pretty interesting. People have tried. No one has done it. Spin-off potential. I love it. Number four, Barrack the hound about the men hanging from the ropes and how they'll be killed. You can have one of them. The hound. Two. Yeah. Ah, shades of two chickens. There's our man always wanting double. How innocent we all were back then at the inn. And later, when they're chowing down on some grayish brown mystery meat. Join yourself? I prefer chicken. A big fan of chickens. Hey, what about this? What if uh, Brienne and Jamie just get in a boat. They sail west wow, forever and just are on there just in love with each other. That's so nice. I hope that happens. Oh. Oops, if you sorry. think this story has a happy ending, you <laughs> haven't been paying that's, attention. That's true. Well, they can get eaten by a squid like a month out. Anyway, number five. Varys is heading out on a mystery expedition. Ooh. Ooh. We need friends in Westeros and we need ships, he says. Ah, where could he be going? Maybe a region of Westeros that has recently overthrown its prince and is known to be amenable to Targaryens? Mm. A lot of finale groundwork laid in this so episode. So much laid. And by the way, those are fast ass boats. <laughs> Number six. Yeah. The wine show with Missy and the Worm. We need it. I love it. We want it. I love that Grey Worm is like, oh, I, actually, I've been holding on to a joke. I've just been workshopping this <laughs> I've been, for ages. You know, me and the guys hanging out in the barracks, we make jokes all the time. The moment when Masandi, after getting just sloshed, sloshed off two sips of wine and she's laughing and giggling and blushing yeah. and her cheeks are rosy, he looks at her with such love. It's wonderful. I'm he really excited for them. was interested, you know, Grace. <laughs> What? Are you sure? He oh, yeah. was Listen. interested. Listen, 100% Grey Worm was interested. <laughs> Number seven. One more notice from the hygiene board, guys. This list is getting long, alarmingly long. Fingers up butts. You gotta, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. Wash your hand after. Also, not against a person's will. Two, prosthetic question mark dicks in hand before eating another wash your hand moment Just in Westeros. Just a little rinse. These a people are dis- These people are fucking disgusting. How are any of them alive? Anyway. <laughs> Alright. Mal. Yeah? Sleep is the only way you'll heal. Yeah. Whoa. True. That's Boy, bodes that ill true? for us. Just <laughs> ask this episode's champion. Each episode we're going to honor the person who played the game and advance his or her cause in the most tangible way and this week the winner of our champions purse is Arya our girl finally graduated graduation day first of all let's 
talk about how Arya appears to be Wolverine. She survives <laughs> three stab wounds in the guts thanks to Lady Crane's just incredibly tight and miraculous bandage work. I mean, she's, like, stabbed a lot of boyfriends, and apparently she's just good at this. She needs to go into, like, she needs to go into business. Not even a maester, though. <laughs> she's, who cares? <laughs> and then when the wave kills Lady Crane and comes at Arya, he's been promised and under the name. Arya switches from Wolverine to Jason Bourne, jumps out of a window, jumps, like, with the whole, like, the feet flapping in the air, like, running on air, like the total parkour move, runs through the city, Takes a crazy fall down a set of stairs, taking out the citrus and fruits. Lovely oranges. Beautiful. That would should definitely kill her, if not injure her. She if not, should be dead. She should be dead. She lives. And then more than that, she leads the waif into her lair. Smart. Where Needle is waiting. And then leaves the bloody handprint on the trail, like, you know, as a, as a follow me here. Because she wants to be found. Because she wants to draw the waif into the darkness where... She knows how to operate. Why? Because she was blind for untold months with the wave coming out of nowhere and hitting her with a stick. We get that dope slash shot needle cutting the candle, the room going dark. And then we cut to the house of black and white. Jock and sees blood on the floor. He follows it to the wave's gross cut off face. (laughs) Arya won. You told her to kill me. Arya says to Jock and reasonable point to raise. Yes, but here you are. And there she is. <laughs> and he kind of moves towards yeah. Needle's pointy end. Finally, a girl is no one. And here it is, guys. Here yeah. it is. This is the moment we have been waiting for for quite some time now. Not like marine length time, right. but quite some time. A girl is Arya Stark of Winterfell, and I am going home. Dun, yes, dun, yes, dun, yes, dun, yes, dun, yes. Dun. Jack and smiles. Yeah, what do you make of that? I don't... No, I don't know what to make of it because one, uh, you would imagine having rebuffed the faceless men in this manner in a way that goes against their core philosophy would cause them to hunt her. This, the smile raises the question of, is she a faceless man and doesn't know? Is he serious? my God, if is he's he serious, serious? I swear to God, if he's serious, <laughs> he if he's serious, I'd be super happy. I just don't believe that we deserve happiness in our life, <laughs> which is why I believe that Syria is dead. Wow. Arya got the got best dark. of both worlds. She went to she went to Assassin <laughs> University for free, and she discovered her true purpose: killing her foes. Yes, she's someone really important and really awesome and really dope. And why is Lady Crane the one who pushed Arya to this point? She reminds Arya of mom. Clearly, Family. clearly reminds Arya of mom. And and the irony is, she reminds Arya of mom because she was playing Cersei. Incredible. The mom of one of her most hated enemies. The richness there. That's great. We're all a lot more similar than we think. You yeah, know, if we true. could just take a beat, watch some theater. The theater! Try to get along. I try, to get, try to get along. Yeah, really reminding Arya of who she used to it. be. And finally, heading Home. Ah, we're at the point in the season where everyone's about to head west. Guys. Yeah. Anyone not drinking is disrespecting this podcast. True. We hope that you had as much fun as we did today and that you will join us next time when we will be discussing season six, episode nine. The, to some people, iconic. To other people, cough, Jason, cough, Zach. 
Overrated. Battle of the Masters. It's very good. It's just slightly overrated. It's in the top fifth of all Game of Thrones episodes. Until then. Yes. Remember, if you think we're abandoning our family podcasting seat on the Kingslayer's word of honor, you're a bloody fool. It's true. Oh, yeah, the things we do for love. I love Cersei. Oh, yeah, you can laugh at that if you want. You can sneer. It doesn't matter. She needs me. I can get back to her. I have to take River Run. I'll send your baby boy. I'll launch him into River Run with a catapult. Because you don't matter me, Lord of me. Oh, yeah, your son doesn't matter me. The people in the castle don't matter me. Only Cersei. And I have to slaughter every Tully who ever lived to get back to her. That's what I'll do. Intercontinental Championship. And that's the bottom line. <laughs> do you imagine yourself a decent person.